0: It's a real privilege for us to be here. I know um, we've. Been before for some of you you know we've met which is awesome and I, I love uh, the fact that we're connected as churches I love that we are a family you know that uh, you guys in Timaru, that you're connected and you know we have some physical family members uh, of certain people in your church in our church but what I love is that we are a family you know we are um, we're not just kind of people who who live separate lives actually the connection and the relationships that we have are really really important uh, and that's why you know things like coming to an encounter night is great because it's just a chance for the family to get together. You know, I love family get-togethers, that, that chance of connection, relationship, and, and things like equip her as well are really uh, powerful. If you're a lady and you've never been, um, can I just encourage you to come? It's something that's, um, I don't, when, when you make a decision, to set time aside for God and you invest into it, uh, that takes a level of faith, right? It's saying, okay, it's worth the time and the investment. But what I, I love is that God responds to steps of faith. God responds and says, hey, actually, I'm positioning myself in a place where I want to encounter God. I want to meet with him. I want to be able to uh, just get myself into a bigger environment. Uh, and in doing that, you know, I, I love that, that God always meets us and exceeds our expectations, um, and I wanted to tell you something that's kind of hot off the press, but there's also on, uh, so Equip Her starts in the evening on the Friday, uh, but at lunchtime, there's a Lead Her event, which is uh, for women, and it's a lunch, uh, so it's um, it's not it's not an invitation thing. Anyone can come. You just have to Decide to pay the money for it. Um, but it's $35, and that's um, at Ricketon House, which is a beautiful uh, restaurant in, in Christchurch. And that's a, that's a space uh, really where they're going to be kind of speaking more to people as leaders. Um, so, Equip Her, you know, that's for a wider group. We're believing for like 250 people to come to Equip Her because uh, that's all of the South Island. But uh, Lead Her is a space that you can position yourself in as well. It's, um, th- I just want to invite you and say, please come. You know, that's something that we're going to be talking about really soon. Um, but Lead her's just a space. Uh, we've got Pastor Sophia Barrett and uh, from Audacious Church in Manchester, um, which is an amazing church. We've got uh, Pastor Kathy Monk and Pastor Esther Greenwood coming down from um, Equippers in Auckland. Um, and they'll be speaking kind of at a leadership level in that space. It's not that the rest of Equippers doesn't meet you as a leader, um, but actually that's a specific kind of conversation. So uh, just, you know, you can register for that also on the website. Um, and it's going to be delicious food as well. So if that's a motivating factor for you, then, you know, it's quite motivating for me. Um, uh, I like good food, so (laughs) Um, it's good. But really, I just wanted to... um to reiterate what Dave said, you know, I love, we love coming here. We really admire and respect uh, Dave and Mayer, you know, for Caleb and I. Uh, we have known them since we were university students, and uh, Dave was leading the worship in, uh, in, in what was South Life in Dunedin, which is now Equippers Dunedin. And so for us, just the connection and the relationship that we have, I don't know, we've probably known Ellie and I were teaching students together um, at university and things. So, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but what I love is that we're all growing together in God and uh, that moment. Like summit moments, like uh, this, where we come and we're together. Actually, what that does is it's like spurring you on to say, Hey, uh, we know that when we come into an environment and we see what's happening in Timaru, it, it lifts something for yourself. And it's like, Okay, cool. I'm believing that in my community or in my city, that actually I can believe for, for similar things, you know, on a different level. But that there's that kind of actually in my community, I want to see uh, the breakthrough that you've had in, in different areas of your community and things. And so, just to be encouraged. At, when, when we come, that that's the family, and so you're always welcome in those spaces, uh, and that when we come, it's not uh, that we, you know, we come as kind of outsiders. Actually, we're in this company of people, um, and even, you know, we've started doing live streaming. I know last week you had a live stream Which was awesome, and that's something that we're going to start doing as a church as well. And the reason is uh, not because the pastor doesn't have to, you know, produce a sermon that's week. That's not kind of what happens. Although Dave's family, poor family, had a terrible vomiting bug last week. So, uh, but actually, the idea is that there's just a greater connection between the churches, and there's a greater unity and alignment. Uh, and so, actually, and you know, we we're an apostolic company of people, which means that you know we're led uh, by apostles. And so, that actually, the power of being together and hearing things um, together it means that we're just all moving in the same direction. Uh, and so, we just encourage you. You know, I think you can still get the same amount out of watching something on live stream as you can uh, with someone in front of you. You just have to choose to kind of uh, receive because it's just a different form, you know. Um, But this morning, I I, I actually, I kind of wrote down some thoughts on a sermon, and then I really felt God kind of shift things for me, and so I've written something else, and I wanted to speak with you about this, and the idea of giving me this mountain, and I know it's a series that you've started, last week was the first one, and you're going to be doing it, and um, it's kind of fitting for Caleb and I to come down, because I've brought Caleb and Joshua, which, you know, when you know the story, it's um, quite, quite good, so, (laughs) you know. I'm very blessed to have two uh, great people. It's, um, you know, for us, like this, the idea of giving me this mountain is, is something that when we look at the life of Caleb, there's something powerful about his life. And I love um, that that he's he seems relatable. I don't know about you, you know, he's this, uh, this amazing guy in the Bible, but yet there's something about the way that he lives his life that doesn't seem too unattainable you know that actually for us if we choose to to capture the heart of what he believed and how he lived his life that actually it could be transformational for us as well and uh, I wanted to to go there because I uh, watched the first live stream and and I I wanted to just kind of recap because I never want to take for granted that we all kind of grew up in Sunday school knowing the same stories and things like that and so just to give a little bit of a recap so uh Really, the story about this comes out of um, when the the people of God uh, were uh, in captivity in Egypt, and they'd come out, and you might know the story of the Red Sea, parting of the Red Sea, and they'd come out, uh, and they were walking into the land that God was promising them, and the idea was that they'd just walk there, and then they'd be able to actually Enter the land uh, and take this promised land that God was bringing them to, Um, but unfortunately, they kind of hit a snag along the road. And uh, so, uh, Moses is talking to the people in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1. He says, These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel uh, when they were camped, uh, when they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. Uh, And it said that normally it took 11 days. Uh, to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which was uh, where they were going. uh, But actually, unfortunately, it ended up taking them 40 years, uh, which, you know, is a long time roaming around. Uh, but And I, I wanted to kind of go there and just read a bit of chunk. So if you can stay with me, uh, because I thought it kind of sets the scene. So uh, we're going to read Deuteronomy 1, just down at verse 19. So uh, we'll go there together. It says this, Then just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed towards the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, "You have now reached the hill country of the Amorites. That the Lord our God is giving us. Look, He has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged." So this is Moses talking to the people when he's saying, "Hey, actually, the land is right there. You can just walk in and take it. You know that God's promised it to us. Um, and don't, don't get caught up." And uh, but then the people came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. And so Moses says, this seemed like a good idea to me. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Ecol uh, and explored it. They picked some of the fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported the land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. So actually, they all come back saying initially that they agree that it is a good land, that even the, the 10 who uh, later say, okay, I don't think it's a great idea because of the people in the land. Actually, initially, they all agree, man, this is a good land uh, that God's giving us. Uh, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That is why he brought us from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. And they tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. And their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, do not be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. This is crazy because these are the same people, Who were slaves in Egypt, who saw the parting of the Red Sea, who walked through, and then a little bit later they've kind of like seemingly forgotten, like less than maybe 12 days, they've forgotten that actually God did all of that stuff for them, and they get caught up by seeing the things in front of them. He's, and it says, so he, uh, but I said to you, do not be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for, best, uh, for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day when the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will see the land, uh, live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who uh, will see the land because he has followed the Lord completely. So I will give to him and his descendants some very land he explored during his scouting mission. So sadly, they stopped being able to go into the promised land because of uh, what they believed in the report that comes back. You know, so 12 spies went in, two said, yep, we can take this, Caleb and Joshua, we've got this, God can uh, help us in this land. Yes, there's people in there, but man, we've got God on our side, and so nothing's going to be impossible. And there were 10 of them who were like, oh no, we saw these things, they were giants, we looked like grasshoppers in their eyes, and I just don't think it's going to be possible. And so they uh, convinced uh, a million people, basically, not to go into (laughs) it. So two out of a million, basically, uh, uh, get to go into the promised land. Uh, And really, you know, it's interesting because they had enough of God to come out of slavery But they didn't really have enough of God and faith in him to be able to go in uh, to the promise that he's called. Because he's taken him out of a place. So they had enough of God to believe for that. But actually stepping into the new phase. And, you know, when you think about it, because of the things that they'd seen, that's a crazy thought. Uh, But then we read on in Joshua 14 and this is the thing that uh, Pastor Sam talked about last, uh, last week where, where Caleb's come to this point in his life uh, and he's saying to, uh, to Joshua, hey, actually just remember uh, back when I was 40 years old what the Lord said to Moses uh, uh, when we were at Kadesh Barnea that I could have uh, this land because I came back and I bought a report uh, that was honest. I told people what had happened uh, and I wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Uh, it says, So that day Moses solemnly promised the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that your descendants forever uh, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive as well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise to me, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today I am 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on this journey. Uh, And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. It's quite impressive being 85. (laughs) Thought that you can still fight as well then. Uh, So give me this hill country or give me this mountain that the Lord has promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there and great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. See, Caleb comes and he says to Joshua, you know, when I was a young man, God promised me this land, and now, 45 years later, I am still believing in that promise, and I want to take hold of it. You know, I want to take the mountain, I'm believing uh, that I've got what it takes, and uh, last week, Pastor Sam talked about uh, to Caleb, and it was noted that because my servant Caleb had a different spirit, you know, it's talked about in there that the, the thing that distinguishes him, the spirit that he carries is that he serves the Lord wholeheartedly. And I know uh, next week, Pastor um, Dave's going to talk on that. But, uh, you know, I was thinking through this this week, and I was thinking, you know, it's one thing to receive a promise, but then uh, it's another thing to possess it. So Pastor Sam talked about this a little bit last week. You know, we receive a promise and we think, oh God, yeah, that would be amazing, you know, that one day maybe I could run a business that would, you know, be something that could really influence the kingdom. You know, that's a promise that God's given me, but actually getting to the point of possessing it is a a different story. And... I know Pastor Sam shared a story uh, about how unfulfilled promises can keep us alive. He talked about, last week if you were here, his plane was struck with lightning, uh, if you remember. Uh, and he talked about how, you know, there was this kind of panic that went through the, uh, the plane. But he thought, hey God, actually, no, I know this plane's not going to go down. Because there's unfulfilled promises in my life that I'm not going to die here today in this plane, uh, that I'm believing. And so for us, those moments, the hope of an unfulfilled promise can actually keep us going when everything around us uh, seems like, oh, it's, it's just not happening. You know, this is not as I was imagining it. And in verse 12, Caleb asked Joshua to give him this mountain, to give him the place uh, because of the faith uh, that he had in God, that he receives a personal inheritance of land, he receives a place, uh, and now actually, you know, forty-five years later—that's a long time in, in life—to keep believing for a promise. That you know, I I think of Caleb and Joshua, and I think they're amazing. You know, your your report—if you think about—go there in your mind. Imagine you go to spy out a land, and you come back. And you just believe with faith that that you could take that land, that God could, you know, help you take that land. And the people around you are like, no. Like, basically, imagine trying to live with them for the next 40 years when you're really, really frustrated that they just didn't listen to you. And you're saying, God said, hey, look, you actually, none of you are going to be able to enter the land because you didn't have faith uh, that that I would be with you and that you could take. Imagine how hard that would be for 45 years. You're wandering around in a wilderness. I don't know about you, but I would get really frustrated with the people. (laughs) Especially like Joshua, he's leading these people. And I'm amazed that, you know, he's just like, oh, flag you guys, I'm going in on my own, you know. (laughs) But actually, you know, there's something in believing for 45 years that even the promise still stands. So we sing this song, The Great is Your Faithfulness, this promise that you've given me, it still stands, even if I haven't necessarily seen it in this time. And, and uh, you know, the Old Testament, uh, taking a mountain was a really important thing. You know, uh, 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 mountains were signified like a superior position, and and I know if uh, just knowing a little bit about New Zealand history, you know, the the Maori when they came to New Zealand, they also understood this concept. They often build paths on the the tops of mountains. I mean, uh, from a battle perspective, it's great to be able to have the view and the so you can see people climbing the mountain and things. But a mountain was a significant uh, position, and the thing about a promise. Is that it would be really nice if, when God gives us a promise, we just wander in, and uh, like take hold of that promise, like you know, ah, sweet God, thank you so much for this promise, and I just, you know, I just wander in, and and my promise is there waiting for me, and it's just going to be awesome. But actually, that it wasn't like that, you know, for Caleb, his mountain wasn't just empty, ready for him to kind of walk in and possess it, you know, that actually. Caleb already knew that there were giants living in the land that he was going to have to overcome in order to take hold of the promise that we have. Uh, And my question is, how often have we had a promise but we've all of a sudden realized that there was a bit of opposition to our promise? And and we've kind of discounted that. Oh, maybe God, you didn't actually say that because I've kind of faced a giant and oh, shoot, that's a little bit harder. You know, there's gonna to have to be some overcoming in order to possess this. But we kind of get caught off because we're like, oh, it shouldn't be this hard. You know, if God's given it to me, it should just, you know, and sometimes God's graceful and, and he allows us to walk into promises and, and that's awesome. But there are other times when actually there are things we have to overcome in order to take hold of the things. And that's really what I wanted to kind of talk about today is just uh, what areas of our lives and and the giants that can exist for us that we need to overcome in order to step into the promises that God's given us. And See, God allows us uh, giants to occupy spaces until we grow strong enough that we can live in the space that God's called us to live in. So, you know, sometimes actually facing opposition that strengthens something in us that means that we can occupy and we can fulfill and live in the promise uh, to the greatest extent. And when you think about it, you know, the promised land, it, it wasn't this land where nothing grew. And, you know, uh, everyone was kind of, like, malnourished and things. Actually, we know about this, that they came back with a pole with some grapes, like, hanging on. And, uh, like, two men were carrying the pole with the grapes. You think of a land that the grapes grow to that extent. You know, the people in the land, it was said it was flowing with milk and honey. The the people of the land are not going to be, like measly kind of uh, like um, weak, weaklings, right? Because if they live in a land that's full of uh, produce and full of things, that it's likely that there's going to be uh, some strength in them. And the thing is, in order to take the land, there's got to be a strength. Possessing our inheritance is going to take strength from us. There's going to be something in us uh, that we actually have to take strength. And Caleb understood it. You know, he says, today I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on this journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. You know, 85 years old would be considered uh, to be an old per- older person in our you know, society, but actually someone at 85 who can still say, hey, I'm as strong now as I was then. I can take this land. And see, for us, in order to possess the land God's given us, we need to overcome some giants, and today I wanted to just to to i guess maybe suggest a few giants that I think we can kind of come up against and uh, when we 're taking taking possession of the promises that god 's given us and so i've got three for you this morning, so if you like notes, you can write them down. Uh, the first giant that we need to overcome is our identity you know who am I the sort of of who are you you know what 's your identity because when you Understand the answer to that; it will determine whether you overcome or not. You know, if you uh, believe uh, that uh, you know that you can take it, that God's given you, uh, that you're His son, you know, or His daughter, that actually that will determine whether you can step into things. Um, but the way we view ourselves can be determined by a lot of factors. You know, it can be determined by our culture. It can be determined by. our our life, our upbringing, you know, sometimes it can be determined by our failures. I don't know about you, but I can remember all of the stupid things I've ever done in life, way more than the probably, you know, equal number of good things I've done. But, you know, I don't know about you, it's just like, when if I think back of my years at primary school and high school, you know, I can just remember all the times I got in trouble, <laughs> you know, and, and your failings and things like that. But, but actually determining that, that we're not those things, yeah, th- those things did happen and we did do them and that was silly, you know, or, or that maybe that didn't work out quite as we were expecting, but we're not, that doesn't define who I am, that I'm not based on, on those things. In Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5, it says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Amazing, eh? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You know, it says we're not a slave in God's eyes. We're not at this level where we kind of have to, to grovel or a servant to work for things. It actually, we're adopted into sonship or, or that level of relationship where we are, you know, adopted as his children, that we have the position of that. Because if, if we're a slave, you know, we have to earn things. We have to, it's based on what we do and, and how we serve and, and all of those kind of things. And that like that creates this kind of, oh, I have to earn my way to heaven. I have to earn my way into uh, to God's good books. I have to do things in order uh, to, to be justified as part of the family. But that's not what God's saying that actually because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, uh, that we're a part of his family. That, and when you think about it, that actually to be adopted into sonship in the culture that Jesus was talking to was to have the same rights and privileges as, as a biological child. So someone born into the family is the same as someone who's adopted into sonship. That for us, we don't stand here as people who, who, it's about earning our way, that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we're at that level of being adopted into sonship. And in Second Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might be, become the righteousness of God. You know, that actually, because Jesus had no sin, that God uh, took that. And if you imagine kind of boxes, you know, we've got us, we're in boxes, and in our account, it's like an account, you've got sin, you've done a few things that weren't great, even if you were good, you know, there might be a couple of things in there, and and you've got good things that you've done as well, righteousness in your box, and in your account, and and then the next person, they're the same, maybe they lived a better life, they've got a few more things that they've done well, but actually, because there's sin in those boxes, you know, that we can never be in right standing with God because of, uh, God's perfect, but actually, you know, Jesus... Really what happened was this transaction where the sin that we'd take, uh, done had been put into Jesus' account and righteousness is put into our account. So when God looks at us, actually he looks at righteousness. That's what he sees uh, because uh, that's the thing, you know, that Jesus has taken the sin on himself so that we could be uh, in right standing. And uh, you know what I love is that our, our righteousness is not determined by our righteous deeds. You know, it's, it's good to do good things. You know, it's good to, to love people, and that's what we're called to do. But actually, our righteousness is not determined by those things. It's due to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so the, the question is, is, is for us, is understanding, you know, who are you? Do you see yourself as, as a child of God? Or is the giant in your life actually believing that you could be someone that God could use to do something? Because, you know, it's really easy to discount yourself. And we'll talk about it a little more in the next time. But that thought of, hey, actually, you know, we often stop ourselves from going there because of not believing that we could be worth stepping into the promises that God have got for us. And Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are shriveled up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Now, when you think that, you think, oh, well, it's like, man, all those things that I thought we were doing were awesome. You know, they, they are good, but in, in comparison to Jesus, they just can't measure up. And so, actually, it's only because of what Jesus does, really, that we are, are considered righteous because of him. And so, today, you know, is, is the giant of identity stopping you from possessing the land? You know, when we understand coming back to the place of spending time with God and understanding who He's made you to be, you know, because actually we all struggle with that. It and it's not like, oh man, I'd have to be perfect in order for me to be able to get into uh, the, the promises of God. But knowing, man, God's made us to be people who are strong. God's made me. Caleb knew that. You know, he came back and he said, no, we're God's people that we know that we've just gone through the uh, the Red Sea. We we understand that God's taken us out of captivity and that we're God's people and that we can go into something because we know that we are his. Uh, And so, you know, for us being able to do that, say, okay, yep, actually the story of the Bible is not just a nice story that we read it. Sunday school that actually those are our ancestors those are the people that the people of God we are in that people and so the promises that were for them are also for us and we can say God you were faithful in that situation you were faithful uh, for Joshua and Caleb you were faithful for the people of Israel and so I can trust you and know that also you're faithful in my life as well so the first giant is identity the second giant is fear In Deuteronomy, uh, verse 26 to 31 of of number one, it says, But you rebelled against the command of the Lord and refused to go in. You complained in your tents, the Lord must hate us. That's why he brought us here from Egypt, to hand us over to the Amorites. Like, that's crazy logic, right? God took you out of captivity, and he brought you here, and the idea was that he's going to hand us over to our enemy. It just doesn't make any sense, right? (laughs) But, you know, sometimes fear makes us think uh, things And in a crazy way, where we can go, our brothers uh, demoralized us with their report. They told us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. And their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there. Uh, but I said to you, do not be shocked or, or afraid of them. The Lord is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, uh, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you uh, saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along as the, the way, as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he's brought you to this place. So Moses is saying, come on, that actually, you know, they're letting fear stop them from entering into the promise. Uh, but actually for us, they focused on their own ability, those 10 spies who come back. You know, they, they saw that it was a good land, uh, but they were, said, oh, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. You know, when we look at ourselves, actually we've become intimidated by the things in front of us. And uh, last week, Pastor Sam asked a question and he said, are we going to die in the wilderness because of how we're looking at ourselves and the enemy? And I don't know about you, but as I read that, oh, listen listened to that this week, I, that kind of hit me like, okay. You know, what promises are staying unfulfilled because I'm, I'm scared of, of how uh, the things seem in front of me? You know what? Our promises are not gonna be attained because I look at them and I, right now I, I look at myself and I feel like I look like a grasshopper, but actually, you know, God's given me the ability to be able to uh, do the things that he wants and it's it's not feeling like oh, we have to beat ourselves up about all this stuff, but kind of reframing our thinking again to think hey actually god's given us the ability to be able to uh, step in and take the promises uh but we have to kind of keep coming back to the fact that well we're we're his children that uh, if he asks us to do something uh that uh, we can you know he's given us what he t- what it takes to do it and I remember in the early days of coming to speak in church and, you know, you can always find somebody else who you think could be better at it. No, no, that's kind of human nature, right? God asks you to do something and then you look around and you're like, but God, that person would be a better option. You know, they're more this or they're more that. It can be anything, you know? It can be stepping out in a situation or it can be, you know, a promotion. Sometimes it's coming back to that place of recognizing. I remember for me, it was like, oh, I looked around church and I thought, God, I don't know if I'm very good at this. You know, but there's all these other people that I thought, well, that person's very articulate and they've got a really good understanding of the Bible. And, and th- that's good and those people, are all necessary but actually God was calling me into something and so it took actually having to overcome uh, the fear of standing in front of other people and and what it would be like uh, to, to come into a place of of calling and from that it's just kind of progressed for me and, and things but just you know I think for all of us in life you know we have to choose to believe that God wants to use us choose to believe that actually you're the person and the right person despite the things that you might think uh, make you not good at that thing. Actually, if God's asked you to do it, he's entrusting that to you uh, and he believes that you've got it. And uh, um, the question is really, what would you do if you had no fear? If fear uh, wasn't there, what would you do you know what would be the things in in life that if if you just be I would have fully trust God. what what would those things that you would step into uh you know because I think of Caleb and I think man it would be such a shame if at 85 uh he didn't take hold of the inheritance the promise that he had because he looked at the land and he saw giants living there And all of a sudden he became intimidated by them and he thought, oh, you know, he's waited for 45 years to take the promised land, but then all of a sudden he could have been intimidated by the giants that were in front of him, but he understood that actually, you know, God had called him into that space. And maybe for you it's taking a step of faith in business. You know, maybe actually it's believing uh, that God's calling you into an environment of business or or connecting with your community. You know, it can be as simple as talking to a friend about the hope we have in Jesus or, or something that God's been doing in your life or sharing a testimony. You know, starting to tithe is a step of faith. It's a, a step of obedience. It's trusting God that, you know, uh, no matter whether I feel like I've got enough right now, I'm gonna be obedient and faithful to you, God, and, and trust that you've got our best interests at heart. Because if we look at our promises in the eyes of our own resources, often we it won't be possible. You know, if we look at what we've got, our skills that we've got, God's asked us to, to step into this promise, but we look at it and we say, God, oh, I don't know, I just, I'm not that oh, good at this thing, or I just don't feel like I've got what it takes, but See, God's asking us to not look at it through those eyes. He wants to look at it through his resources and through his eyes where he's saying, hey, he's looking for people. And I love for those who were at their encounter night, Uh, When Pastor Russell talked about seeing things in the Spirit first and then that overflowing out into your life. So God's looking for people who take courage in the Spirit. So believing and connecting with the Holy Spirit and believing that actually, okay, I can see things here and I'm believing that that's going to be outworked. You know, that actually, even if the the report that I'm getting right now in the natural isn't great, actually I'm believing for healing, or I'm believing for breakthrough, and I'm going to pray in faith or take a step of faith, trusting that what you've said, God, is going to come to pass. See, we need to look through heaven's resources. Look through the eyes of heaven, because there's never a shortage in God's kingdom if he's called us into it. And we just need to fully commit to the purposes of God. And Philippians 4 verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's amazing, eh? Just the thought that actually God is going to be the one who supplies. And we just need to take steps of faith and trust that that he's got uh, what we need and and he's going to be the provider. And, uh, you know, fear is one of those obstacles that I think we need to continually face. Every time we take a new step, there's a a decision. Okay, now I'm going again. Yep, okay, I might have got knocked down that time. But hey, actually, I know I'm trusting you, God. I'm going to believe that I can take this next step of faith. And, uh, you know, the the ability that we have to overcome that will determine uh, the extent to which we can uh, take the promises that he's given us. And the, the third giant, I think, is experience. You know, your past events, things that have happened in the past. Uh, and, you know, Jesus, when you read the, the Bible, I love the miracles that he does. You know, he heals the blind, he raises the dead, he casts out demons, he He does so many things. And I've uh, been thinking about the, the woman with the issue of blood. So there's this lady, uh, and she's had this uh, bleeding issue. She's for 12 years in Luke 8, it says, uh, verse 43, it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. You know, for 12 years, her experience had been the same. That actually, for 12 years, she had gone to, you know, it says in the the Bible just before this that she'd gone and she'd sought medical assistance. She'd tried everything to find a way. Uh, to, to be healed, that she was believing that actually she didn't have to live with it, and so she'd saw all of these different ways, but her experience had been 12 years of just continuous bleeding, and that made her a social outcast. You know, the uncleanness of her really meant that she couldn't be a part of normal society, that she was on the out, and, and that the doctors couldn't heal her, but actually, she's like, no, I'm not going to let this stop. You know that in the crowd it says that she pushes through the crowd and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Uh, And she was instantly healed. And the thing is, so she, she touches Jesus on purpose and is healed. You know... I wonder for us, because there's a difference. There would have been lots of people in a crowd brushing up against Jesus, right? But he, in that moment, he knows that someone has touched him on purpose because he says, you know, my power went out from within me, that actually he recognized that there was someone who had, had made a decision that I'm going to encounter Jesus. I want to believe that my experience and what I'm seeing in my life is not gonna be the thing that determines uh whether or not I, I get the healing I'm believing for, that actually I'm gonna believe that Jesus has got what I need in order to overcome. And so uh you know, it doesn't happen by accident. She's she's there and she touches Jesus on purpose. And I wonder for myself, you know. What is it if I'm touching Jesus on purpose, what would happen in my life? You know, as I encounter moments and I spend time with him, hey, I'm believing that actually things could shift in our lives. And because sometimes you have to push through the crowd of popular opinion you know, to get to Jesus. Sometimes it's not easy, especially, I mean, if you come from a world where you're one of the only Christians you know, it can be really challenging to kind of come to a place of connection uh, and, and believing to, to see Jesus do things in your life. But experience can be the same, you know, that actually we can think, oh, all these things have happened in my life, And and God, I haven't seen you break through. And it can stop us from believing that in the future God can do things. But actually, we have to overcome our experience in order to believe for greater. Uh, In Acts 19 verses 11 and 12, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You know, Uh, It's interesting that it talks about unusual miracles. Because you think, well, what are usual miracles, you know? Blind people seeing, um, deaf people hearing, you know, the Salvation. Uh, that maybe, you know, jobs happening, that actually, as we hear people talking about things that have happened in their life that creates this uh, spirit of prophecy, you know, te- uh, a testimony means to do it again. Hey God, you've done it for this person and I'm believing that you'll do it again. And, and, you know, we're believing for churches where miracles are just a normal everyday thing. That actually an abnormal meeting would be one where nothing happens where nothing changes, because that's actually not what we're believing for. We're uh, people who believe that that, that the power of God is here and that as we connect and we worship and lift him up, that actually normal miracles will happen all the time. Uh, But unusual miracles uh, is an interesting thought. You know, what what unusual miracles does God want to do in our midst? You know, are, are we confined to what's normal or kind of what we can imagine or, or what we've experienced. You know, do we keep God in the space of, of believing that God can work in a certain way? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think like I need a financial breakthrough and so I start imagining all the ways that God could do it. You know, I don't know if you're like that, the same as me, I'm like, God, you could do this or you could do that. But actually, you know, God is is talking about Paul and how unusual things happen. They took the tissue that he'd wiped his nose on and and someone was healed. Like, it's a bit of a kind of crazy concept, a bit yucky. (laughs) But, you know, that's happened. Like, Smith Wigglesworth is a famous um, evangelist. You know, there's stories about that happening in, in, uh, you know, not that long ago, actually, for us... uh, you know, are we believing for things because we can kind of imagine them or are we open to the fact that God can move in ways that are completely outside of our experience? See, when we've got God's strength, uh, can we do, we can do all things. And that's and, and a decision, uh, a giant that we have to face that we, we can believe that even if we've never seen it or experienced it, that it can be possible, you know, because that's faith taking, thank God, this may not be my circumstances. This may not be the way that things look right now for me. But actually, uh, the possibility of something happening is, is there. And, you know, because Caleb knew that God was on their side, nothing would be impossible for them. But the giants in the land stopped the other people of God from inheriting what God had given them. And in John, uh, 2 John 14, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And that's an amazing thought. You know, Jesus did some amazing things on earth, but we're called to do even greater Like, that's that's crazy that when you read the Bible to actually think, man, these are the things that Jesus did, that he raised people from the dead, that he just uh, healed people, that the blind people saw, that actually we're called to do even greater. And God's saying, if you believe in me, you can do greater. So just believing uh, is the thing. And for us, I don't know when you're young, you you measure yourself against your parents, you know, your height. You're like, ooh, I'm growing. We stayed at David Mayer's house, and they've got this thing on the wall where they're, like, measuring Ruby and Izzy, and everyone's kind of growing in height, you know. And and it's, like, often we can measure ourselves against our parents, and you get to the age where you've kind of, like, reached the height of one of your parents. My mum's the shortest in my family. And so, sadly, she's been overtaken by all my siblings. Uh, But, you know, there's that comparison, and sometimes... Uh, you know, or you beat your parents at something, you realise that your parents aren't perfect, you know, or they're, they're not like these superheroes that are just awesome at everything. I mean, especially like you just believe that your dad can do anything and then you kind of get to the point where you think, oh, okay, he's awesome, but, you know, he's not like Superman, you know, <laughs> he's just a normal everyday person. Uh, but, you know, for us, it's, it's like sometimes we when we 're believing for things that supersede what Jesus did, it 's almost like it's, we would feel like it would be an insult to Jesus, or we have to protect the reputation of Jesus. it 's like, well, actually he 's called us to, to go further. He's called us to it 's his idea that his people would be able to do things even greater than what he 's called us to do. Uh, see, if we only stay at the same level. Uh, that's happened in the past and we, we're not moving into that, that God's called us to, to believe for even greater because he's saying, hey, don't believe for the same. I want you to believe for more. I want you to believe that you can step into things because you know, I, I love that in scripture, it's about generational blessing that actually, uh, you know, we stand on the, the shoulders of our parents. We go into spaces. And, you know, for some of us who have come from non-Christians family, you know, we're creating a, a a way for our family in the future to believe that actually, you know, Caleb and I are believing that Joshua is going to go further than we can go uh, because he stands on our shoulders. He, We're believing that there's going to be greater for them. Uh, and he wants us to do greater things. And, um, Kat, do you want to come? That would be cool. I for us today, I really wanted to kind of, um, I think I'll land with two thoughts. And the first one is, uh, you know, sometimes uh, what we need to do is, is look at the giants that God's given us and, and have faith to believe that actually he's called us to overcome. Uh, and, you know, because God has given us an inheritance, but, but there is going to be things that we need to overcome. There are going to be things that we face. Um, maybe not the things we've talked about today, but there will be things that in the land as we step into that, that will face things. Uh, and, and today I just wanted to, just where you are, I guess uh, what I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to do today is is for, for some of us who, who look at the promise that God's given us, but right now the giants seem big in front of the promise that He's called us into. Today I'm believing that God's going to re- shape your your view, that actually he's going to refine how you see things, that where you see yourself like a grasshopper or where you feel like fear's had a hold or, or that, you know, just a lack of knowing who he's made you to be or a sense of, God, I, all I've known in my life so far has been this situation. I, I'm believing that today God's going to shape that for you. And uh, so what I wanted to do is just in this moment, maybe the team can come as well. Uh, just for you, what I'm believing, we're going to sing a song in a minute. And just for, for people in your seats, the first thing is just for people who who want God to, to shift your perspective. Uh, and so I'm just believing that as they sing, uh, that actually, if you open yourself to God and just ask Him uh, for a shift in perspective that He'll do that, you know, that he'll be faithful. and he Because he wants to, to give you good promises. He's the God who desires to bless his children. And and so this morning, you know, he doesn't want us to be overcome by giants. He wants us to, to know that we're strong enough to take the land that he's called us into. He, he wants us to know that he's given us everything we need to be able to overcome. And uh, this morning, you know, maybe you want someone to pray for you about that. That's cool. You can come down. I'd love to be able to pray for you uh, about that. But the second group of people is this, you know, you've had two sermons talking about promises and talking about uh, the promise of God and giving me this mountain. But when you think about your life, that maybe you don't feel necessarily like there are Promises that you feel like God has given you, that actually you 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 think of someone like Caleb and you're like, it would be awesome to to inherit a promise. But I don't feel like I've ever had a moment with God where He's uh, given me a promise that I can hold on to. Maybe a, you're believing for a promise for your family. It just feels like things are really tough going at the moment, and you're thinking, God, I I just want something to shift. I want something to hold on to. I want something that even if it's 45 years until I see that thing come to pass. That actually I can hold on to that, and with faith know that you 've given me what I need or or maybe it 's a, a promise of health, you know maybe it 's a promise of um, of provision like so my little nephew 's got leukemia at the moment and right at the very start of him being diagnosed in January, I felt like the Lord said that this sickness won't end in death, but it will be for the glory of God. And, and that's a promise that I'm holding on to. Even when he's in the hospital and I stay there overnight to release my sister and brother-in-law, you know, I'm believing and I'm speaking that out because I, in the Spirit, I want to go to a place where I'm believing that God, I may see leukemia in my face and a, and a little two-year-old who's uh, got all these tubes and things, but that's not the promise. That's not the future that you've called him into. That's not the Thing that I'm holding on to and I'm believing that you've, you've got healing for him and it's just going to be for your glory that that will be outworked. But in this moment, this morning, you know, as these guys sing, what I'd love to do, if you don't feel like you've got a promise or you're just saying today, God, I want a new promise from you. I want a fresh promise or I want you to renew a promise you've given me a long time ago that actually we'd love you to come down the front. And just what it is, is an activation of saying, God, I'm today I'm searching for you. I'm reaching out for you. And in this moment, uh, he'll meet you because I believe that God doesn't want a people who, who are walking around not knowing the promises that he's called them into, but he desires that we would be people who can hold fast to the things that he wants us to do. So right now, just where you are, if you want to come, that'd be awesome. One of the team would love to pray for there you. Uh, but let's believe God on. for promises this morning.
1: Holy Spirit, break us. Come and overtake come on, don't stand us. Come and sing with us. You're the one we're living for. Holy Spirit, lead us to the heart of Jesus.
2: Come down. You need to come down because it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do in and through you. It's about the people that He's calling you to reach. And actually, He wants to place a dream in your heart that is bigger than the dream you have now. It's bigger than your quarter acre and your nice home and your car and your security. It's actually about. God has in store for you to reach people for him and uh, yeah I said earlier John the Baptist he was all about clearing the way pointing sorry clearing the path pointing the way that's essentially what you do when you say I decrease that that was John's prayer that's where this song comes from it's John saying you know what some some, uh, some of his disciples had come to him and had said, hey, hey, John's baptizing more people than you. What's going on? This isn't good. And actually, John said, no, no, no. I've got to decrease that God may increase. And right now, I just believe if you want God to, to you to decrease it, God to increase in your life, you need to come down the front, Penny and myself and, and Richie, we'd love to pray for you, lay hands on you, and believe for a dream in your heart that is bigger than you.
1: Come on, let's believe together. I agree. It's you and It's all about you. It's not about me. I agree.
2: We surrender our lives once again to you. May we decrease, that you may increase, that we may clear the path and point the way to Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you for an awesome word from Pastor Penny. Come on, let's put our hands together. It was great.